Welcome to the Shila Pham Extractive Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Musong Kodi. Dr. Kodi focuses on research and consultancy work in governance and anti-corruption in Africa. This includes, among others, the natural resource sectors. Over the years, he has undertaken consultancy and research for several regional and international organizations. He is a former associate fellow of Chatham House and a current member of the International Academic Advisory Board of the International Anti-Corruption Academy. Formerly, he held a senior management position at Transparency International. I count on him as one of my closest friends. Musong, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Thank you for having me, Sheila. I, I wonder, given your extensive work in governance, could you just lay the groundwork for us and define governance for us? There are several definitions of uh, governance, uh, no universally accepted definition, but from all the uh, proposals that have been made, one can uh, say that uh, governance uh, refers to the relationships between leaders, uh, public institutions, the private sector, and uh, as well as citizens, and the processes through which they make and implement their decisions. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that there's no universally accepted. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, what should we, should we make of the fact that there's no universally accepted uh, definition? What does that tell us? Is it a function of complexity? Is it a function of ideological differences? What is it? It's all those, but uh, first and foremost, the uh, complexity of uh, the concept in, uh, in which uh, so many stakeholders are involved and uh, the concept covers sectors that are widely different and uh, have uh, various realities. So it's the complexity of the uh, concept that uh, explains the difficulty with uh, coming to a commonly uh, accepted definition. That that makes sense. but. Uh... It, it it may seem self-evident, but tell us why is governance important, especially in the extractive sector? Governance in uh, the extractive sector is important for many reasons. One, uh, the uh, sector is perceived as complex. Many people see it as opaque and many others see it as disruptive and therefore offers opportunities for corrupt activities, uh, political instability, and even crimes. So governance is very important to make sure that all these negative effects don't uh, uh, obtain in the exploitation of uh, uh, resources. Uh, the other reason is that in many 
developing countries, the extractive sector is the primary source of government revenue. It also uh, offers uh, the opportunity for countries uh, to uh, maximize the benefits for the host countries if the sector is well governed. Uh, it's becoming more and more important now that uh, in the transition to uh, clean energy, uh, more and more resources, minerals would be needed uh, to uh, arrive at uh, a clean energy. And uh, the demand for natural resources is bound to increase tremendously. Uh, some of the uh, demands for the, the demands for some resources are said to quadruple over the next uh, decade. So this would uh, increase the potential for mineral mineral rich countries to develop, but by the same token, it will increase the risks for damage uh, to the economy, uh, to the welfare of the people as well if uh, governance is not uh, up to scratch. Uh, so negative uh, consequences uh, could be a reality. So this, this explains uh, why governance is so important in the extractive sector. It has a positive side, but it could also have the risk of uh, uh, having very negative consequences. Yeah, you, you are right about that. And that's not just in the social and environmental sense, it's also in the economic sense. But the, the first uh, part of your answer interested me particularly because very often we don't recognize that actually the sector itself is, if you wish, vulnerable because it, it, it has so many multiple dimensions. Uh, and it is because of this and the scale that it can lend itself to abuse by others. Uh, and, and, and so in many ways, governance also helps not just the people that are affected, but also the sector itself in how it may uh, organize itself. Now, I, I wanted to ask you another question, which is this, that governments or states have three institutions to govern through. We have the judiciary, parliament, and then the executive arm. Can you briefly explain why to govern, uh, modern day governments need these three legs of governance? Um, the executive plays a central role in the promotion and enforcement of uh, good governance in the extractive sectors. Uh, this role includes, among others, uh, leading the process of developing and putting in place a clear national vision for the extractive sector, which must be done uh, if it's to be done properly through open consultation with all the stakeholders. Based on uh, this national vision, 
the government leads in guiding the framing of uh, policies, laws, regulations, and development programs. Laws and regulations that should clearly determine the roles of the various institutions in charge of the management of the extractive sectors. Another uh, part of the role of the executive is the formulation of a national strategic plan, which will be based on the national vision as it's adopted, and which includes also a monitoring and evaluation process uh, to implement the national vision that is, uh, and takes into account the views of uh, all the stakeholders, uh, including not only the executive, but also parliament, the judiciary, civil society, and the private sector, and also the public at large. The government also uh, plays a major role in allocating the revenues from uh, resource extraction. And uh, by so doing, it has the responsibility to promote equity, both between current and uh, future generations, but also across the present society and has to ensure that uh, the revenues maximize the welfare of the entire population. So yeah. these are some of the roles that the executive plays. If I have to look at the parliament now, the parliament has three major roles to play. Uh, the first one is oversight of the executive branch of government. The second one is lawmaking. And the third one is the representation of uh, the constituencies. So, um, Parliament is uh, very essential, therefore, in the uh, oversight of the executive. It can audit the activity of the government and other institutions, and also express the views of the public that it represents. So that's, in short, what Parliament is all about. Uh, as far as the judiciary is concerned, uh, the judiciary also has an important role to play in the governance of uh, natural resources. A credible and independent judiciary is of paramount importance because without it, without having a uh, strong judiciary, there's high possibility of uh, increased uh, opportunities for corrupt or even criminal activity in the extractive sector. Uh, the judiciary plays a central and important role 
uh, in reviewing the actions taken by the executive and public officials with a view to determine whether they comply with the provisions and standards as they are laid down by the constitution and uh, the national laws enacted by parliament. Hmm. It uh, also has the role of guaranteeing that the laws passed by the executive and parliament do not violate the constitution and other legal requirements. So that's in short, some of the uh, roles that uh, all these uh, institutions play. Yeah. So when I listen to you, I hear two important things. One, that the system does not take for granted that uh, having been given the authority to administer the affairs of a country, the executive branch will do the right thing. But even if they do the right thing through parliament, the assumption is that continuously, minimally, if there is no need for oversight because things are working as they should, minimally, the parliament becomes the link between the executive and the people they represent continuously making sure the voices of people are, are present. And, and, and that in the event of transgression uh, legally, the judicial uh, branches come in to hold those who uh, offended the law to boot. I wonder whether you can just, especially with uh, the parliamentarians, I wonder if you could give us a, an example of one of the most important roles uh, in terms of oversight that parliamentarians perform with respect specifically or should perform with respect to um, the extractive sector. Um, the parliamentarians in most countries uh, work with the, the uh, supreme auditing uh, authority of the country. And uh, through that, they can exercise oversight on how the uh, revenues are collected how they attributed by the government, how they are spent by the various organs of the government. They also have through their specialized standing committees, which some of the parliaments have, standing committees uh, in charge of uh, natural resources can exercise very close uh, very close oversight on the way the uh, natural resources sector is run by the government how things are conducted uh, within the law and uh, in keeping with the uh, the regulations as they set up in uh, the uh, mining or uh, other natural resources courts. 
So those are a few examples of uh, the specific role that parliament can play to serve as a counterweight uh, to the typically uh, powerful and domineering executive branch of government. So this notion of power and dominance, of course, implies potentially uh, a distortion of the governance framework. And some people have argued that one way of uh, ensuring that this the correct balance is struck, but also that the voice of people are in the room is when we negotiate uh, concessions with oil, gas, and mineral uh, companies, that that process should really be overseen by parliament and not the executive. Do you have a view on, on that? Uh, would it be in some way an improvement to governance? It could be an improvement if our parliament mm. has the capacity and also uh, the uh, very green, uh, granular uh, knowledge of the uh, resources sector. Uh, having parliament uh, have a say in this uh, could ensure that uh, the executive does not make this its own preserve and that uh, the increased opportunities for uh, uh, clear and efficient oversight to be exercised through the voices of the uh, various uh, components of parliament. Uh, having the executive uh, play a major role or an exclusive role in uh, this uh, aspect of uh, the governance of uh, natural resources. Experience tells us that uh, time and again, because of the uh, weak governance systems in uh, many countries, uh, state capture could come to play and particular interests could take over and uh, skew the uh, governance of the natural resources to their own particular interests. Yeah, we people often use this word or, or phrase state capture. What, what do we mean by state capture, Mousson? The state capture is a situation in which uh, the political elites, uh, particular group interest groups, take over the setting of the policies of the countries and skew them to their own interests at the expense of the interests of the whole nation. That's, that's good. It's, it's sort of like um, what happens in other countries when big corporations lobby uh, and hire people to influence uh, the nature of the law such that the law speaks not so much for the country, but for those vested interests and de facto therefore uh, basically capturing the state away from the public is, is sounds like what you mean, right? Yes, that's right. Um, 
in that kind of situation, uh, the interests of uh, the majority of the people become secondary. It's uh, the interests of uh, reduced number of people that takes over. And the consequences is that uh, the welfare of the majority of the uh, population, which should really be uh, the uh, priority for uh, the government to take into account, uh, gets lost in the process. Hmm. And uh, the uh, revenues, the resources of the countries uh, then embezzled and served the interests of uh, just a handful of people in the country. Let's look then at governance itself. We've looked at uh, the institution. Uh, governance itself has three pillars, uh, transparency, accountability, and public participation. Uh, is there any relationship between these three pillars and each of these three uh, mutually reinforcing arms of government? Yeah. Um, accountability, again, has uh, no universally uh, accepted uh, definition. Uh, but it can generally be considered uh, as the concept by which individuals, agencies, organizations, be they public, private, or even civil society, are held responsible for executing the powers properly. So, uh, the um, government in uh, the uh, government in uh, uh, their activities have to definitely uh, make sure that they are accountable not only uh to their own people but to parliament and uh to uh uh the uh justice uh sector so accountability has uh three components uh there's uh horizontal accountability whereby institutions check each other and uh, scrutinize the activities of each other. So the executive and uh, horizontal uh, uh, accountability would be checked in its activities by the uh, judiciary, but it will also be checked in its activity by parliament. And uh, by the same token, uh, the activities of parliament could be checked by uh, civil society, the population at large, but also by the judiciary to make sure that 
the constitution and the national laws are not uh, violated. Uh, there's also the vertical accountability, whereby the uh, institutions that are considered superior to others uh, exercise uh, the oversight. So you would have uh, parliamentarians looking at the activities of some of the uh, institution, the uh, components of the uh, national executive. They would, for instance, look at the activities of particular ministries in particular fields and in our, uh, what concerns us, the Ministry of Mines would have its activities uh, scrutinized by uh, Parliament. Uh, but for that to happen again, Parliament should have the capacity and uh, the uh, resources to uh, play that role. Now, for accountability to be exercised properly, there's need for transparency, for uh, the scrutiny to be exercised by the various uh, institutions. They need to have access to information, proper information, which unfortunately is not always available. And transparency is actually uh, the characteristic of uh, governments, companies, organizations, and individuals who are open in the clear disclosure of information, rules, processes, and actions. Uh, accountability and uh, transparency also empower a well-informed uh, population to have a voice and participate in decision-making and oversight of those who govern the country and manage the resources and revenues uh, of the country as well. Hmm. Um, you have explained very well uh, the, the link. What intrigues me, Musong, is that much of it seems to uh, imply a heavy and important, if central, role of public institutions. Yet, a lot of the public discourse on extracted government seems to suggest greater accountability or even failings on the part of multinationals. So as my last question, I just wanted you to give us a sense. Um, am I correct in suggesting that there's a greater expectation for multinational or private companies to govern themselves in their extractives relative to governments? Yes, um, multinational corporations 
can be part of the problem, but they're not the only culprits when governance fails. Uh, as we've discussed all along this interview, uh, there are several actors in the extractive governance. So when governance fails, the public blame usually falls on uh, multinational corporation. And I think the main reason is that uh, multinational corporations are the ones of all the many actors in the sector who are most visible and in daily contact with the communities. If the executive, parliament, the judiciary, civil society, all play the proper roles, governance uh, do not play the proper role, governance will fail. And the blame should not fall on the multinationals themselves, but on all the many of the other stakeholders. So a proper analysis of the failure should be undertaken and blame should not be automatically uh, put on the uh, multinational corporations. They're just part of a system. Absolutely. Well, uh, Muson, that's all we had time for. Uh, thank you very much once again for joining the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Thank you very much, Sheila.